everyone. Welcome to the Galacta Podcast. I am Lauren Romo, and with me as always is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. Yub nub. It is a yub nub kind of day. I swear I had that stuck in my head for like a whole day. Did you? I mean, felt, yeah, it did feel, felt good, felt organic, felt organic. All right, guys, this is your first time listening to us. Welcome. We are Star Wars Podcast. Discuss anything and everything within the galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be movies, TV series, books, comics, a specific character, you name it. We talk about it. Andrea Mandalorian Chapter 10 came out. We saw it. What's your first initial reaction? Made me chuckle. I laughed a lot, honestly. Um, It was cute. A uh, little bit of character development, nothing uh, like major dropped, but it was a great episode. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, overall, I enjoyed it too. Um, I don't like how people are calling it filler. I think that's kind of agreed. Not, uh, not, not the way. This is not the way. I no. don't think it was a filler. I think it was, as you just said, growth, development through the characters, uh, both in the Jarn and the baby. And uh, the, the New episode. Republic, you kind of got to see mm-hmm. the stance of the New Republic and what, uh, like, the temperature of them and, you know, what they're like. It was it was a great episode. Yeah, no, good stuff. Um, so obviously, you guys, we're going to be talking spoilers. So if you haven't watched it yet, go ahead and stop listening and come back after you watch it. Give us a five star review <laughs> while you wait. <laughs> If you'd be so kind to do that. If you'd be so kind. <laughs> but if you just want to drop us one star, you know what? We are, we're confident in who we are and what we stand for. We can take a one star review. I agree. Uh, we can take that one star review and grow from it. Uh, just like Din Djarin can grow as a character. So Failure. It's the greatest teacher. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yoda. Yoda was smart. He was smart. Okay. So yeah. So this episode starts off um, basically... Din is going back to Mos Eisley's on the speeder with the baby. Everything seems fine. And all of a sudden we see some, I don't know if they were bounty hunters or. Well, yeah. Who did you think they were when you scav- saw them? Like scavengers maybe. And I'm not really. I thought it was Boba Fett's crew. Honestly, I thought Boba Fett put together a crew and he's, a- and he's about to take out Mando. That's what I thought. That's an interesting idea. I didn't even actually think about that, that route. I'm assuming because they were going after the child, that led me to like either the the Bounty Hunter Guild or whatever, yeah. something like that. So, uh, but I I kind of like that Boba idea though. That'd be interesting. Obviously, we know from the last episode he's alive. He's alive and kicking. Um, so he gets thrown off his speeder. Mando does, and the baby. These three, was it one, two, three, or four? I can't. I'm not I'm trying to think how many were there. They had a few bounty hunters go after Mando. He takes care of them, uh, except for one who that character, the one that had the child, mm-hmm. is a uh, callback throwback to The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And it was a character we saw when Ray was cleaning her um, scavenge stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was Tebow, like his species. It yeah. might have been. Tito. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me to go get? Do you want me to go get my visual dictionary? I can't. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, we're good. 
<laughs> I think we're good. So uh, that species, that character has the baby. The Dindajaran uh, strikes a little bit of a deal, says, hey, I'll give you the jetpack for the baby. So uh, that creature agrees. The baby, which was a, adorable, runs to Mando. With his arms up. It was adorable. And oh. then uh, the creature takes the jetpack. Obviously, Din Djarin was already thinking 10 steps ahead. He has control over the jetpack with his Mando uh, wrist, wrist brace, wrist guards, whatever you want to call him. And he basically throws them into the air and drops them, <laughs> which was a great scene. It was a great scene. <laughs> Such a great scene. It, it was, was great. Because- yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say it was funny when the the child kind of looks at Mando yeah. and the Mando just shrugs. Yeah. I loved it. I loved yeah. it so much. That's what really like made that that moment like had some great comedic characteristics in it was the reaction of the child and the the relationship between Mando and the child was just so awesome. I love that part. Yeah, it was definitely a big this whole this whole episode, which we'll we'll, okay, we'll kind of talk. We're going to talk a little bit more about, but it was a good growth development between the child and Dindajarin. Yeah, for sure. So he uh, he gets back to Mos Eisley's, runs into Amy Sedaris's character again, Helly Moto, Helly Moto, and we. She's hilarious. Yeah, she's one of my favorite characters. She's playing Sabak with a creature called Doctor Mandible, which is. Yes. Apparently, I didn't know this. It is a character from the EU. Nice. Which is kind of cool. I didn't know that. It's a nice little throwback. Um, so she basically gets Mando and says she knows somebody that knows where more Mandalorians are. So he, but the, basically the deal is he has to ferry them to the planet. And what we find out is it's a species, a frog species. Yep. Um, we should never got a name. It just said uh, Frog Lady, which is <laughs> kind of funny on the <laughs> caption. It's just Frog Lady. So we have this new species creature, which was fabulous. Um, it was a person that was did Quill in season one. Was the Misty. same person in that costume for Frog Lady, which is really, really cool. So basically, Mando has to take them to the ice, this planet that they're trying to get to. But the whole deal is that he can't use hyperspace. Because she is carrying the eggs of her species and from what Amy's character tells Din is that this is basically the last of their kind. Right. So it's important for her to get to this world, uh, which um, I believe we will see obviously the next episode because obviously in the trailers, we see them on a water planet. And we do see in the trailer the same character, Frog Lady, in it too. So it all so kind of makes sense. Do you think the frog people, the, the frog couple... Mom, pa, frog. Do you think they are important? Do you think, do you think they're Sith? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I don't There's know if they're important. Just right, gonna right, say, right. right? There's only two, which we again in the trailers we did see them. Now we have more context. I don't think they're important, but I think they're important to push the story along as far as sending Mando into the direction of uh, more Mandalorians. So you don't we'll think get- we're gonna show up on this planet? And this frog daddy isn't going to have on a black robe and be a Sith. No, I don't think so. Dang it. I'm assuming you think that's what's going to (laughs) happen. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it. I mean, let's get kind of crazy here, John Favreau. (laughs) Let's get weird. (laughs) Yeah, let's get weird, man. No, we got there. I think we got to weird. I liked this episode for weird. So, yeah. So he obviously they are traveling. 
they kind of get pulled over, as I kind of want to call it, the pullover scene with two X-Wings. Very um, nice. Which is played by Dave Filoni. And the other guy, his name I am blinking on. Um, I had it pulled up. He he plays in Kim's Convenience. Yes. He's one of the, the was it the store owner of it? Yeah. Uh, but, and his his character's name is Carse, Carson. Yes. So uh, you have these two X-Wing pilots asking Mando kind of what's going on. What's he doing here? Uh, they kind of do like a little chit chat. He says, may the force be with you, which is hilarious. And the response back was also, also with, you. with you. It was so it's just <laughs> it was so good. It was just so funny. I loved it. I loved every bit of that. But then obviously they find out that he has warrants out. Uh, and so they say I, the, the, I have his name. Okay, who is it? Who's the actor? Paul Sun Hyung Lee. Okay. So Paul Sung, so he was Carson. And so they run the tabs on the Razor Crest. And basically they said you need to kind of pull over we need to talk well din doesn't take that obviously good so he goes nose dives into the closest planet um and i know that and let me look it up there was they didn't name the planet um i'll look it up in a minute but so we get this great 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 chase scene between the two x-wings and the razor crest uh going through this uh this new planet that we are on uh going through this uh ice kind of canyon it was great it was just uh it was so good uh, but ba- so what happens is he crashes though. Dindajar and crash it, uh, crashes into this ice planet. The ship is pretty damaged. I mean, it has a huge hole in yeah. the hull. I mean, it's it's bad. It's bad. So what we find out is obviously Din is can't communicate with the frog lady because he doesn't understand her language and she doesn't speak Hatties. Right, she doesn't speak Hatties. <laughs> so. She smartly, this is why I love this kind of, this new character. She's really, really cool. She is able to kind of take the The, old droid that we saw in season one, Zero, and use it as her kind of communicator to translate her language into what he can understand. Yeah, she patches into his vocabulator. Yeah, Yeah. which was great. It was so cool. And um, you kind of get that conversation between them. And she says how important, you know, they have to really get off this planet because of the eggs and all that stuff. Through all this, though, we see little baby Yoda eating these eggs out of this container. So and Mando caught him and told him he can't do that anymore. Which is hilarious. <laughs> Again, such a dad. There's a lot of the dad child vibes. Of, yeah, it was good stuff. It was really good stuff. Um, so what happens though, basically in the end, and kind of, to kind of wrap it up, because not again, not too much happened. As you said, Andrea, not too deep. Like we got the first episode, but they um, they find the frog lady kind of chilling out in this hot spring. Yeah. And, you know, Din's like, all right, we got to go. We can't, you know, we can't just sit here. And then baby Yoda eats, finds a another egg, like kind of that are all over this planet, all over this ice cave that they're in. And it actually is a spider egg, which he eats. And then that starts the whole thing with all these ice spiders coming out. And starts attacking um, the frog lady and Mando and the child. Um, in the end, though, they get to the Razor Crest and those two X-Wing pilots that pulled over Dim are there and they're shooting off and helping uh, them escape and save the ship. So basically, um, they are able to get into the cockpit of the ship, but the rest of the ship is pretty much damaged. It is done. So 
Give me Millennium yeah. Falcon vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, fix, like the whole Razorcrest ship right now is kind of very Millennium Falcon as yeah. you just fix it as you go. So you get, um, you know, it, the ship gets is able to get off the planet. And that's pretty much the end of the episode is them heading towards the planet uh, that they were uh, going to to take this frog lady to to meet up her, her, her husband, I think. Her yeah. husband. So, sure. yeah. So that was basically it. Again, I liked it. It was, I, I don't like the word filler. I don't think, I don't 100% believe that this was a filler. It was a great episode. It showed growth of Din Djarin as he is becoming more a father figure and understands that he has to keep the child safe. Um, that is important. I mean, through the frog lady, he understands that obviously species like this was the the eggs that she was carrying were the last of her species. So it's very important to look out and to take care of, you know, their their own kind and everything like that. So he he's learning. He's he's learning. This is a big parental episode, I think, for sure. Um, the whole episode gave me Rebels vibes, too. I mean, talk about the the spiders. We see that in season three and four. Uh, or no, season three, season three of Rebels when they're on um, Elton. I think I think that's the planet's name with all the spiders. So it gave me those vibes. It gave me the vibes of that episode with Callus and Zeb. Then they crashed into that ice moon. So I mean, I I liked it. It was weird. It's weird Star Wars, but that's what Star Wars is. I mean, it is kind of weird at times. So I mean, you're kind of here for it. You kind of you know you you can still take a lot of great themes from this episode. And I think. You know, moving forward, it will, again, it all connects just like any episode of Rebels and Clone Wars, you know, it all connects down the line, it will pay off. So that's kind of my, my thoughts. What about you, Andrea? Yeah, I loved the character development of Din being a dad. And I love that they did it in kind of a comedic way. They didn't like have him lecturing or giving pieces of advice to the child. He flat out was just taking dad naps all the time, like always wanted to sleep. It was really weird. I always think that when I'm watching most shows is, man, when do they sleep? I always when I'm watching Star Wars, I think, when do they sleep? When do they sleep? Do they ever sleep? And then all of a sudden, Din just always wants to take a nap. It was crazy. <laughs> it was, right. It was, it, was, it was such a dad thing to do. And the way he would just be like, no, don't touch that. And, you know, and then the way the you know, the child would run to him and have his hands up and the way he just was really comfortable in his lap. It was, it was great character development of the relationship without like having to have a monologue, you know, or something like shoved down your throat. It was very subtle. And I think Peyton Reed did a really good job directing that episode and bringing comedy into kind of a, you know, a lackluster storyline. I mean, not to say it was filler, but I mean, we're not dropping Boba Fett, Ahsoka, or Bo-Katan in this episode, so it's just kind of like there's not much going on. But to make it comedic, to make it suspenseful, to character de- to give character development in such a like small 40-minute timeline, it was awesome. It also developed Mando in a way to where kind of felt like he was losing his Mandalorian creed and the frog lady really challenged him on that oh you're just gonna give up because your ship's not working like you know this is the last of my kind you know I thought Mandalorian's word actually meant something that's awesome for character development too because she really put him in check the New Republic showing up them patrolling space not many people get to see what the New Republic or the rebels were like after the war I mean, we're familiar with it from reading canon novels and stuff like that. 
But I think it was great to give a wider audience an idea that they're, they're out there policing. They didn't just win a war and everything's over with. They still have to go after other people from the Empire, police the skies, all that good stuff. So I love that they threw some new Republic characters in there. And I love that it was Filoni and um, Paul's, Paul's son, Hyung. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, it is, I think the lady, the lady frog. Telling Din that, you know, what what are, I thought Mandalorians were creed to them, had more, you know, responsibility, meant, you know, that being a Mandalorian meant something. And I think throughout this series, and I think it will continue, you know, I think we will see him kind of maybe redefining what he knows and what he is becoming as a Mandalorian. You know, because there's yeah. going to be a point for sure. And I believe it maybe maybe next week he will run into... Say Bo-Katan. This this is my theory. I think maybe next week we get that Bo-Katan cameo, and we know from Rebels and we know from Clone Wars that Mandalorians like her and Sabine Wren they aren't afraid to take off their helmets. So that's going to be a huge thing, and I think that conversation between Din and possibly Bo-Katan will be fascinating because again we love Bo-Katan and she is. Very Mandalorian. She is, she, she bleeds it like nobody she's, else. She's so Mandalorian that she mm-hmm. followed Maul for a little bit. I right. mean, honestly, like right. she's right. that Mandalorian. Right. So I think he'll get a totally different perspective on what it, what it means to be a Mandalorian. I think, and I think that will be good because I think maybe he will relax on a lot of things that he, I think he's holding on to as being a Mandalorian that grew up in this Death Watch kind of family in the Creed. Right. Yeah. That's going to be totally different. So, and that would be even even more interesting if he does see the armorer again. And after he has those conversations with like a Bo-Katan. I hope the armorer. That'd be interesting between those two, you know? So a lot of, I mean, a lot of good stuff and a lot of pathways, I think through this episode, like you're saying, growth development for Din was huge. This was a huge growth development episode. <clears throat> yeah. And it was, I mean, it, you had like that horror aspect to it too, with the spiders, oh. the ice spiders. It was good stuff. I mean, it really was. It was, it was a good, it, it was Star Wars at its kind of weirdest, but I loved it. Like I it, loved was, it. it was Star Wars. It was still Star Wars. It felt Star Wars for sure. When I was watching the app, so I, during quarantine, I watched an entire alien saga like marathon i watched every alien movie even the bad ones even three in resurrection but i watched one two three four prometheus covenant freaking awesome so when when the child started walking up on those things i was like well i've watched enough to know that there's something inside of those there those are eggs those are easily eggs it's about to go down and i loved it i love that he ate one love that he was just like i'm gonna eat the spider and I love that he burped. That was the greatest. <laughs> it was a great. It was a great episode for Baby Yoda. It really was. Um, you know, the little bit of that running gag of him eating the eggs was kind of funny. Uh, you know, it was just a good. It was just a solid episode. Again, it wasn't too serious as yeah. I think the last episode, but it felt Star Wars again. This. I got so much Rebels vibes and I'm in the middle of a Rebels rewatch and I love it. Like, it's just so good. It's so good because I could see like this episode happening in Rebels and we kind of almost did. I mean, we had, like I said, Zeb and Callus in a ice cave 
with, you know, giant monster attacking them. So like it, it was just it was just great. It was just great. You can tell like it's the the collaboration of both Favreau and Filoni in this type of episode for sure. So did you, know? you see how those spiders were uh, Ralph McQuarrie? Yes. So yeah. yeah, So that was a great callback. They pulled that from a Ralph McQuarrie concept art from um, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. When Luke was in the that cave. Yeah. Uh, I love so that. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was good stuff. I mean, it was just, again, the small callbacks, the Easter eggs, you know, they're just, they're great. And they're not overwhelmed. You know, they're not overwhelming. Like I said, that Dr. Mandible, I didn't know that was an EU character, apparently. That was cool. That was cool. Um, that that jet engine or whatever that was cooking the dragon meat yeah, in the beginning. Pod I'm trying engine. to place that. I don't know. I don't. It wasn't Anakin's pod racer, but man, that that it looked familiar. Like I mean, we've probably seen it a hundred times. So I read Florida. that that is actually the way they do it. There's a um a thing at Galaxy's Edge that actually cooks meat with a pod racer engine. I can't remember the name of it or whatever. Oh. It's like a thing at Galaxy's Edge. So that's that was awesome. like a little Easter egg for Galaxy's Edge, which I thought was cool. Oh, that is cool. That is yeah. very, very cool. I like that. I like that a lot. So, yeah, I mean, again, they're they're doing great. I'm excited. I think next episode we will get, obviously, I think we're going to see that part of the trailer of him on the ferry. Uh, this is where we'll probably see Sasha Banks' character appear, who I think might be ex-Mandalorian. That's been my guess and my theory for a while now. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I, I do believe now that I think Bo-Katan will, sh- this is just, again, my, my guess. I think Bo-Katan will get that cameo next week. And I also think too, that if, if we go through the timeline and Din Djarin was a following during the Clone Wars with Death Watch, you could maybe possibly have it to where Bo-Katan knows who Din was because she could have been at the time. I guess it just depends on when they got him as a fouling. And well, it was her... during the Clone Wars. There were battle droids there, right? So, and Easily we know she could have been there, right? So we, so yeah, that's my point. Like we, we could see like maybe Bo-Katan knows who Din Djarin is because maybe she not raised him, but maybe she um, did some training with him as a fouling and all that stuff. So it's very possible that they possible. are connected. Yeah, that they are connected um, through their past, which would be, again, that'd be cool because, it, again, it would make sense with her being a part of Death Watch at some point uh, in the Clone Wars, that in them, him being in the fighting corps during that time, too. So I don't know, I think it'd be, it'd be a cool way to kind of connect those dots as far as Bo-Katan, Din, and then you can connect Bo-Katan to, obviously, a bunch of characters uh, moving forward. So that's kind of my... That's my predictions for next week. What about anything that anything else that stepped out to you this episode or anything that you're looking forward to maybe next week? I just want to double check with you. You don't think the frog people are Sith? No, they are not Sith. <laughs> There's only two of them left. The so rule, rule of two. two. <laughs> I mean, that's a good theory, I guess. That's, I mean, makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> I like that. Uh, last thoughts on the episode at all? Anything that jumps out? It was good. I liked it. Yeah. No, 100%. I liked it, too. I liked it, too. All right. Uh, we got a couple Ask the Gals questions, and then we're going to bounce, peeps. All right. So our first question comes from Mr. Alex 
asks Corey, uh, he asks this, what is your dream black series figure? Andrea, what is your dream black series figure? I think ours is the same, don't you think? It could be. What do you what do you think? Asajj Ventress. Yes, Asajj Ventress, but I want Bounty Hunter Asajj Ventress though, specifically. Ooh. Specifically, I want an Asajj Ventress Black Series Bounty Hunter figure with the helmet. Yes, exactly. Removable helmet. I want all of that. I want all of that. Uh, any other black figure though that you that jumps out at you or anything? No, I'm not too much of a collector, so. But I did see that uh, that little rumor going around on Yak Face that maybe in 2021 there will be an Asajj and a Bo-Katan. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that rumor is 100 percent true because I that's oh I want that figure. I want that figure. Like I said, I really want the um, Black Series uh, Bounty Hunter. Massage interest with the helmet and everything. That's that. That would be my dream one. That would be my dream one. Um. Oh, also, I think it'd be cool if we got the Ahsoka season seven in the uh, overalls. Her yeah. bike. Uh, her bike days. <laughs> her biker gang days. That's her what I want to call it. Repair days. Yeah, her mechanic <laughs> repair days. That's the one I want. That'd be a really good one too. All right. Our next question comes from Mister Mike. Oflitch, and he says this. Hi, ladies. Watching season two, chapter 10. I'm wondering why the hell Din doesn't ask the new Republic pilot, say, you Republic folks work with the Jedi. Nowhere I can find one. Aren't the Mandalorians aware that the Jedi and the Republic are connected? Thanks for taking my question. Vermont Mike. It's a good question. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know if every single Republic pilot or whoever knows about Luke Skywalker. I think maybe inner circles might know, but I don't know if the entire new Republic knows, or maybe they've heard stories or they know that Leia Organa's brother is a Jedi. And maybe they just think that's maybe, you know, rumor or whatever. So that's kind of how I see it. Um, I don't know if the Mandalorians really know that the Jedi and the Republic are connected. Per se, I don't think they do, but that's an interesting kind of concept, though, of them associating the Jedi with the Republic, for sure. Um, What do you think, Andrea? I mean, they used to be connected, like, back before the the Clone Wars or during the Clone Wars. I mean, once it became the Empire, the Jedi no longer had affiliation with anything. Not, Not the Rebels, not anything. And like you said... Not everybody knows about Luke Skywalker or it's not like this common, you know, household name that everybody talks about that we l- kind of learn that in Bloodline, you know, he's just kind of like this. I don't, he's not as well known as we know Luke Skywalker, you know, across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, people aren't like calling on him like Batman. It just doesn't happen that way. So, right. I uh, think it's more like maybe not myth, but legend or just stories maybe they hear i mean in in that great book uh that came out that was part of the last jedi before you know like before the movie series books there's that legend of luke skywalker so it's like these stories these feeble these uh fables and myths of this guy that does these amazing things so i mean yeah i mean it's an interesting idea he could have but i don't i don't think his mission right now is to really find the jedi i think he is trying to find Mandalorians to help him 
So I don't think, and I don't think he would trust the New Republic to like give him that answer anyway. You know, so I mean, I think he's just trying to find it through the people he knows and trusts, which are the Mandalorians. Yeah, he doesn't want them to know anything of what they're doing. He just wants them to like move along, you know, I'm right. Pretty sure he wishes he had the force and he could just get them to move along because <laughs> that's true. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, but thanks for the question, Mike. That was a really good one. That's a really good question. All right. Our last question for the day comes from our very good friend, Mr. Positivity himself, Neil Lowry. And he says this He said, Should Star Wars have an eye on real life? To add it into future stories, or let it be a totally let or let it be a total escape from our galaxy. Well, that's a great question, Neil. That's a really good question. Um, I mean, Star Wars has always had elements of what's going on in our current kind of era, decade, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, I think they'll continue drawing from that. Um, I don't think they're gonna obviously really kind of go like take a whole storyline of you know something that happened during you know whatever and make it a whole movie or anything like that i think they'll pull elements i mean like i mean look at george lucas i mean he star wars has always had elements of that era of that time you know politically and any you know and all of that so i mean it's not unheard of and i don't think they will stop that because i think again when you have stories of good versus evil you can pull from many different things historically, you know, in our, in our world, in our country, whatever you want to call it. So um, I don't know if they'll, they'll really deep dive into it, but I think they'll definitely pull from and kind of keep it relative, I guess, in a, in a, in a way. What do you think, Andrea? Yeah, I think, um, what did I say? Life imitates art. I think it's funny, like just recently, you know, like during this whole election period and um, the results and whatever is going on, how we've seen that like people celebrating and people outside of the Star Wars community are relating it to the end of Return of the Jedi celebration. You know, that cracks me up that that's the celebration that this generation is tied to. I think that's pretty dang cool. But I don't know. I don't think. I don't think Star Wars would ever bring in like current events, kind of like how I think of like, you know, Law and Order does, you know, like you could watch a Law and Order episode and it immediately has some sort of tie of some situation that just happened, you know, currently. So um, I think Star Wars does a good job at um, creating scenarios that teach you about life without pulling from actual real life situations. No, sense? yeah, perfectly said. Yeah, no, yeah, perfectly said because I think they adapt and make it into a a story that again everybody can relate to. And as again, George Lucas has said it a million times, you know, these are for kids. And so stories of kids growing up, growth, you know, good versus evil are gonna be and look and feel and sound similar to our current day because I mean Life, like you said, life imitates art a lot. So, I mean, it's going to feel similar, but I don't think, like you said, they're not going to pull an exact story from, you know, whatever newspaper and say, okay, we're going to do an entire trilogy based off something like this. You know, like it's just not, it's not going to happen that way. It is quite amazing, though, how some leaders do um, mirror uh, Palpatine, you know. That's true. (laughs) 
That's true. That's true. I mean, you're not wrong on that for sure. And his, sure. And his followers. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Last, uh, last and, thoughts on this episode. I mean, but honestly, think about it. And then, like the Rebel Alliance and what it, fe- how it feels to be part of a of a rebel a rebellion and to stand on the other side of the opposition. Like that is so all related to like right now, like with protesting and all of that. But again, like I said. That's life imitating art. I don't think Star Wars is pulling from real life situations. I think it's just kind of organically, your favorite word, um, coming to light. Yeah, no, 100%. Like you said, it it's life imitating art and, I mean, history repeating itself as far as, you know, again, you can just pull from the Romans, the, you know, anything that, you know, empires fall because people come together and uh believe Say, hey in, now wait a minute i don't right. agree with that right so i mean again you can pull pull it from any type of you know any type of historical uh decade or era or whatever so yeah just life entertainment art i don't think they'll like you said pull from an exact story but and that's okay i don't think we need that so uh last uh thoughts on this episode anything you're looking forward to next week do you think that when den and the child communicate you think it's just like baby talk or is like the child actually communicating in a language and den is starting to understand like mm, are we gonna get the chi- are we gonna get the child's first word like is it gonna be uh like that's a- been a lot of people have been saying that uh we could maybe at the end by the end of the season maybe maybe um i think he i think din is understanding maybe the body language the you know things like that of the child i think he's learning that and understanding that more uh the language thing though is gonna be interesting if they do do that this season uh and how that would go moving forward into this whole series so it's an interesting idea it could happen i mean it it's eventually gonna i think it eventually will happen when that happens i don't know but it will eventually happen as far as the child will speak. For Listen, sure. 100%. I'm just going to forewarn everybody. When the child fi- finally speaks, he will not be as cute as he is now. And <laughs> as he grows older, he will not be as cute as he is now. Speaking from someone who has had babies to children to adolescents, they're just not as cute <laughs> as they were. Life experiences. So relish this time that we have right now with the child, little baby Yoda, with him cooing and burping and making a little noise. It's great because I promise you down the line, we're not going to feel the same way. No, 100%. I agree with you. That's that's a good take. That's a good take, Andrea. That's a good take. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed our little recap of season two, chapter 10, The Passenger. Well, it's a good episode. Good stuff. Can't wait for uh, the rest of the series. Um, We will be doing a book review. I promise we will be doing a book review of Shadowfall. uh, Mixed in a little bit with um, Alphabet Squadron, but mostly Shadowfall. Uh, That will be dropping in the very, very, very near future. So stick with us with that. You can follow us on Twitter at The Galactic Pod, and you can follow this episode and more on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Podchaser, Podbean, uh, basically wherever uh, podcasts are found, you, we should be there. 
Uh, and if we're not, let us know so we can get on that platform for sure. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at LoRoNose. You can follow me, Andrea Gutierrez, at R2D2Step on Twitter. All right, guys. And as always, may that force be with you. Always. 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 <laughs>